Volume 2, Issue 72, I Am Alive. In Ubisoft's I Am Alive, you play as an unnamed man trying to reach his wife and child in an America left in ruins by a mysterious event. The protagonist's journey proves to be almost as torturous and harrowing as the development of the game itself. Joining me tonight on the show is Joshua Garrity. Hello there. And special guests all the way from GamesCritics.com and Seattle, United States of America, Brad Galloway. Hey, everybody. Is it just Game Critics you write for? It's just Game Critics, although I do a fair amount of writing at my own personal blog. Yes, you seem to pop up everywhere nowadays. I try to. Visibility. It's just Twitter. Maybe it's just Twitter. Maybe it's it's my love of (laughs) GameCritics.com and (laughs) and following everybody and seeing your retweets all the time. But I know you're, yeah, I I love your writing. It's very good. And for people that don't actually listen to Game Critics, you really should check them out. If you like our show, then I think there would be something you should uh, dig into yourself because although they're harsh, they're fair, mostly. (laughs) Harsh but fair. Well, I will accept that, sir. Absolutely. As we like to do, we like to talk about how we come across playing the game for the first time, and then we're going to have a quick look at the history of how this game uh, went through its a fairly torturous development, and followed by the usual story and then what we thought of the game. So, firstly, uh, Brad, when did you first hear about I'm Alive, and when did you play it? Um, I had heard about it, I think, maybe a year before it actually came out. Uh, I am a big fan of post-apocalyptic games, and I'm also kind of a fan of uh, climbing games, as strange as that sounds. You know, the Prince of Persia kind of action, Mm -hmm. Tomb Raider-ish, that kind of thing. So it it popped up on my radar, and I was really interested. But then, uh, as I'm sure we'll we'll mention, it had quite a torturous uh, road uh, before it came out for release. And so I I kind of followed it along here and there, and I saw a video here and there, and I would hear little bits. Uh, But I played it pretty much on day of release. I think uh, Ubisoft PR sent me a code, and I jumped into it pretty excitedly. And uh, I went all the way through, and I really loved it. And also, I went through about three-quarters of it prior to the show to refresh my memory. Josh? Um, I heard about it all the way back in 2008 when that first trailer appeared. Um, I think it was E3 when that trailer showed up, I believe. Um, And I was really excited about it because, like Brad, I'm really interested in the post-apocalyptic setting. And uh, I thought some of the ideas conveyed in that trailer, although it wasn't gameplay footage, uh, it seemed to be presenting some concepts that they were going to use in gameplay. Like um, in the trailer, they show the guy throwing water onto a glass roof and the guys going after the water and falling through. And I thought, okay, if they do stuff like that, this could be interesting. But uh, then it kind of went blank. Uh, it went dark, and there weren't there wasn't any new news on the game at all. There weren't any new trailers, and uh, a lot of people, uh, including me, were worried it had got cancelled. Um, uh, but luckily, it wasn't, and. Um, we have the game that we're about to talk to today, and it's very different from what I was expecting it to be. Uh, yeah, pretty much the same as you guys. Uh, saw that E3 2008 trailer, generally incited about that kind of stuff. It, it looked to be taking um, yeah, post-apocalyptic from a slightly different angle. Uh, I like the idea of um, you know 
you know water being such a scarce source that the you know people would actually you know you could actually entice people to to commit their own suicide by doing so um but it did i mean it just dis- it for me it just disappeared off the radar again i, I you know you heard a lot of rumors about the project being cancelled and and that was that um but it as it resurfaced and you know i was excited to actually play it um i actually got it a day of release and i remember that at the time actually hearing a few podcasts and and then being a little bit down on the game which kind of made me go ah oh, uh, do i do i actually you know because it was a, was a 1200 point game i think it was um i think so yes yeah but yeah you know, i jumped onto it and and i played along and yeah we'll, we'll talk about our feelings in a minute but yeah so by the sound of it, two of us on day of release, and Josh just now. Just you, you're reserve, aren't you? Because uh, unfortunately, yeah. we lost Leon for this show. I, so uh, I was playing this game before um, this podcast was uh, scheduled, so it wasn't like I had to rush through the entire game before this podcast. I was about halfway through already, but yeah, I had to cram about three hours of the game today. That's not too bad. I mean, they get, the game is relatively short; it's only five to six hours long yeah. at, at most. Um, but anyway, so. Let's talk about this this checkered history because as we've said the game, about the game, it's it did actually disappear for a long time, um, and rumor has it the game was actually in development all the way back in two thousand and five, uh, but the first public showing was at E three two thousand and eight with that pretty uh, spectacular trailer at the time, it being all CGI of course as you know, we tend to do in two thousand and eight, um, but it, I mean it looked quite advanced, had a, a, a nice set of ideas. Development of the game experienced various delays from, and the original developer, Darkworks, who were responsible for Alone in the Dark, uh, A New Nightmare and Cold Fear, neither of games which I've played, but I know that some of them at least were respected, uh, announced it would no longer be working on the title due to a mutual decision and that the game would instead be finished by Ubisoft Shanghai Studio. Now, Ubisoft Shanghai Studio is actually a very well-respected um, studio. It, it, I think it's done like Spin Cell um, Conviction. Is that the one I think it is? Um, but they're they're a, a fairly big studio. Um, but in August two thousand nine, various screenshots on the old build were leaked onto the internet, and Ubisoft CEO Jan's government was forced to announce that Ubisoft Shanghai were totally re-engineering the product. Um, Ubisoft initially indicated the release window of an April two thousand and ten to March two thousand eleven. These dates were missed, and in fact, the game became available on XBLA all the way into March two thousand and twelve. At a cost of nearly $32 million before Ubisoft Shanghai took over the development in 2009, I Am Alive has ended up being one of the most expensive projects in Ubisoft's history, going through several iterations, two different developers, and over seven years of development time. So we always like to talk about a game's history or development history on, in, if, on this show if we can actually find it. And quite often... The dirty secrets of game development are very hard to come by because, you know, various people don't want to tell us what exactly happened in a, in a long delay project. Project, But this one, actually, there's a fair bit of information out there. So what we can uh, gleam is that actually uh, Darkworks created... I always seem to... You always seem to do this when we talk about a game that's been developed for a long time. They created an open world game. Um, and they spent a lot of time and it was quite a different looking game so the iron live we have now is um post-apocalyptic but it's um it's quite a dark and dirty kind of misty almost silent hill-esque kind of mist type of game 
And what they were working on was more of a kind of bright and colourful. So something more like, um, I think, a recent trailer of The Last of Us springs to mind. So although although the world has fallen into ruins, there's lots of vines and ivy and, and stuff growing out the sides of buildings, quite bright and colourful. Um, actually kind of enslaved-like then as well. Um, but by the sounds of it, it just it didn't play how um, Ubisoft wanted it to play and actually the development came right at the end once the, once they said the project was um, finishing up and they were wrapping and, and just finish, finishing off code by the sounds of it they, Ubisoft looked at it and just said it's not fit for purpose and there was actually a fairly big fallout between the two companies um, actually Darkworks now is no longer that was their last game that they actually worked on they had an unannounced project that was cancelled by Ubisoft and then they were disappeared they are no more into liquidation so I, some of this does actually play on the game but haven't have you read any in, into any into the background of uh, I'm Alive everything that I've heard has basically echoed what you said I mean it's been a pretty torturous uh, history getting to uh, production and you know as I would go to the different shows I went to E3 and I would go to you know the different uh, trade events and stuff I would I would hear about it like people would talk about it and they'd kind of cluck their tongues and shake their heads and I think all of us uh, who had been watching it were pretty sure it was going to be gone uh, and that was really disappointing to me because uh, I was really excited for it, like we said, and uh, I, I, I was uh, genuinely hoping it was going to make it. And when, when I got word that it actually was going to come through, despite all the troubles that it had, I was overjoyed. Um, and although we haven't quite talked about the game itself, I will say that I was quite pleased with how it turned out. So honestly, uh, from where I'm standing, it was nothing short of a miracle that it made it. Yeah, but by the sounds of it, what Shanghai essentially did was they, they took a fairly big open world type game they run it through a number of different um, variations of what it could be and settled on actually just a... Because it was originally a, a big AAA game for Ubisoft and realised that they just couldn't make that work. They brought it down into a small, smaller size. They took a 50 gigabyte file size and crammed it down to 2 gigabytes. Um, and essentially what they did, they made it a very uh, linear game. So they, they cut off the open world aspects and, and you know pushed the, the story and pushed the player through a path. But... It, I'd have been loved to see the original build because I wonder what would have been left over from you know, that open world structure, whether the climbing aspects would have been there, whether the combat structure would have still been there, or whether it would have been something more um, akin to kind of Uncharted or the recent Tomb Raiders, which are you know a lot more combat. It'd been interesting, but I guess we will never know. I think it's interesting that you say that it used to be open world because I feel like there are a lot of remnants of that still left in this game. Um, a lot of the uh, levels outside feel are repeated all the way through. You're constantly going back to an almost hub area outside where it branches off, and I feel like maybe they took the open world and just made it smaller or something like that. It does feel like they're building on what was there already, just cut down. Uh, massively. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say just exactly that. I mean, even though the story is very linear in its progression and they very clearly want you to go to A, B, C, and D in the right order, you can actually break off at certain points and explore the world. And although the world is fairly small, I think it's actually very detailed and very nuanced, and it's a lot more complex than it first appears. Um, as I was going through the game the second time, I was following an FAQ because I wanted to hurry up and just get through it for the show. Um, and I was actually shocked at how many places I didn't know existed and how many little things I had missed the first time. So I think that even though it, it initially appears to be much more linear than it is, I think that in a, on a much smaller scale, that open world spirit is still there. So let's talk about the story before we start talking about the gameplay. The game takes place a year after... Oh, 
The game takes place one year after America has gone through a massive disaster simply known as The Event, which essentially destroyed most of its cities. You travel to your home in the fictional city of Hamilton to rescue your wife Julie and daughter Mary. When you get there, though, they have left to find safety. You come across a child who you mistake for your daughter and save her from being murdered. The girl Mi is missing her mother and gives you a walkie-talkie, to which you talk to a guy called Henry, a friend of Mee's. Henry asks you to bring me to him, and you agree. What follows is a journey through fallen skyscrapers, thick, life-threatening clouds of dust, cannibalism, enslaved prostitution, and a general sense of every man for himself due to the lack of vital resources such as medicine and water. So the story is actually pretty simplistic. Um, I like the fact that they actually don't go too deep into the mythology of actually what's going on. So the fact that it's just the event, um, it's fairly clear what's happened. There's been a massive earthquake of some kind. and But that's not the main thing that really is driving you as the protagonist. Your essential goal is to try to find your wife and child. A few people get mixed up along the way, but you've always always got a clear goal. Now... The fact that the event has happened and the uh, most of the gameplay is is featured around that, so climbing through skyscrapers and moving through the lower parts of a very dusty city, which has a uh, significant gameplay um, consequences, is just merely you know a, a byproduct of what the the story is trying to tell. But and I really I just really like the fact that it's actually fairly um, ambiguous what's actually happened. They could have been really over the top and actually forced it down like this big major event and the human race caused this event and it was their fault. I I, I actually did really like that as well. I, I respected that they they didn't try to make that the focus. It was more just people trying to survive a desperate situation, much like The Walking Dead, actually, where they never explore how the zombies came to be or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's just all about these characters interacting with each other. Um, I will say that I, d- I don't think the character interaction in this game can touch what the walking dead uh, did um i i think it's it's not bad i think it's uh very realistic the way uh may and your character i forget his name what's his he doesn't have a he name doesn't have, he doesn't have a name i think when those two are alone the interactions between those two felt very real um but some of the dialogue with the um, like the people who attack you and some of the victims you try and save, a lot of people repeating the same things. And, um, and there were a couple of situations where I thought it's presented as a moral choice, but it wasn't really a moral choice. Uh, I mean, it's either be a nice person or be an arsehole sometimes. And I think it would have been interesting to have explored more complex scenarios the same way The Walking Dead did. And it, it, w- it would have been simple to implement. It, you just, it just felt like some situations were a bit infamous level in terms of their moral choice, where it was literally the steal all the food so I can have it or give it to the people who need it like in the first Infamous game. I think they could have... Seeing as the interaction between May and your character was so realistic, they had it in them to make some of those other interactions more realistic too. If I can jump in for a second, I think I think I kind of agree with what you guys have both said. I really do like that they focused on the humanity and the characters. And I was actually going to bring up The Walking Dead as well. I mean, I really like that they didn't bother you know, sending the main character to a science lab to figure out what caused mm-hmm. the event and all this, you know, rigmarole that games usually get hung up on. I mean, for me, the strongest connections I ever have is when the characters come through. And for me, 
it, although the main character could have been written a little uh, better, I think that just the, the human struggle, I mean, I think everyone can relate to my wife and child are gone or a family member's gone or I have a very personal quest. I mean, I could easily imagine myself doing something along these lines. I mean, maybe not to, I wouldn't be able to pull off all the climbing this character does by any means, but uh, I think uh, if my child was in some kind of danger, I would certainly go after them. And I do want to give props to uh, the writers because when the main character is talking to May, I feel like they did such a great job on, especially May's dialogue. I have a, a four-year-old right now, and May doesn't seem like she's much older than that in the game. Maybe she's like six or something. And the things that she says are absolutely on track. I could easily uh, believe my son would say something very similar in the way that she considers your character or she considers the situation very childlike and appropriate. I found her very believable. Um, but in getting to the, the moral choices, I think that there are definitely certain points when it's black and white. To be fair, I think in those kind of situations, it is black and white. I mean, I, I keep this water for myself or I give it to you and that's all there is to do. It's not really like we're going to have this giant discussion or I don't have these two paper cups and I'm going to give you half and I'm going to keep half or anything like that. But uh, in the game's favor, I mean, I think when it came time to drastically scale back the 50, 50 MB or whatever down to two or whatever it was that it got cut down to, I'm sure that that was one of the things that fell by the wayside. I mean, I could easily imagine if it was a AAA game, it would have been enhanced. And also, there's a lot of nuance to some of the characters that I think is easy to miss the first time through. Um, for example, when you're coming across some of the characters that are not actively hostile towards you, you can actually kill them and you can take their resources if you want to, but really all they're doing is defending their own ground. And so that, mm -hmm. even though it kind of is a choice, I mean, it's more of like a, this is what would happen in, in a disaster situation. I mean, that was kind of documented um, in some of the disasters that happened here in America recently. I was thinking of Hurricane Katrina when, you know, New Orleans was submerged. I mean, there was lots of instances of where people were kind of staking out their territory and it got kind of feral down there. Um, there's also places in the game where you encounter characters and they offer you help, and you can take that help, and then you can additionally take whatever else they have, too. And it's up to you whether you do that or not. So I think even though those choices aren't really telegraphed very broadly, I think that they are there. And it it's definitely, there's lots of nuances that are hard to find the first time around. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, Josh, you brought up the, the realism aspect. And that's always difficult, I think, when you talk about a game is the realism aspect, because actually nobody really wants to play a realistic version of themselves in the video game, because as Brad said, we wouldn't be climbing the building. But um, I, I like that the fact there's a fairly muted tone to the whole thing. I mean, I've, I've recently just played through uh, Tomb Raider. Um, and it, it's a rock and roll, you know, Michael Bay film of a ride. And with that, they try a, a few things with uh, Lara Croft's character of trying to make her feel a bit more human and humane. But ultimately, she still does the same thing, which we've once again criticised Uncharted 4 and, and many other games like that in the past. They go on huge killing sprees. And although there is there is people that you kill within this game, they are few and far between. Um, and what, what actually got me the first time, the first person you kill, he, he comes just slowly walk into you with a, a machete and uh, you pull out uh, I think at that time is that the first thing you pull out the gun or you fake him with a gun with no ammo and you and you push him back and ultimately you kick him down the pit and I remember the first time I played that I was thinking Jesus Christ what what an ass this guy is like Jesus like couldn't he not reason with him at some degree but actually the, the story tells about is that um you were off on a business trip when all this happened and you walked across you know, like half a United States or at least a significant amount of time. And you get the feeling that he's seen and been places and experienced situations where he knows where there is only one, um, you know, 
situ- uh, one uh, outcome to, to what he's facing, which is more than likely his own death. So he, you almost feel like he overreacts there, but then as you play for the game, you realise that it's pretty transparent. The good people are fairly good, and the bad people are the ones with, <laughs> with the machetes and the guns and are generally hunting in packs. And to and to be fair, though, if someone was coming at you with a machete, I don't think talking him down would be your first instinct. True enough. Yeah, no, I, I agree with what you're saying, Tony. Uh, there's no narrative dissonance the same way there is with Nathan Drake and Lara Croft. Um, th- those characters are somebody completely different in cutscenes as they are in gameplay, whereas this guy, I feel it's pretty consistent. He has seen things, he's seen terrible things. It's clear from his just general demeanour and the way he uh, interacts with character uh, characters, but he isn't going on a killing spree either. He's not just murdering everyone. He is trying his best to just get by without killing as many people as possible. He's... He, I, I Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. There, That he is fairly... Um, I think the way they portray him is fairly realistic. If if anyone was in that situation, I'm sure we'd all react similarly. But um, I mean, so I, I think it's actually pretty quick. It's a quick and easy thing to kind of brush over that he's a, a believable character uh, in this type of game. But there's so few games that actually portray a character where you you generally believe the the killing he's doing is justified. Um, and is actually portrayed in in the game in in that sense, um, as you know we talked about before, Tomb Raider and Uncharted. Are like I think always have struggled with that, and I think as a player base, I think if you're looking for something outside of that, actually um, goes along with your morals, then this will be an interesting uh, experiment of the game to, to to actually play. You know, one aspect of this game that I found very interesting that comes along with what we're talking about here is the way that they handle the weapons and the ammunition. I'm not sure if you were going to get into that later, or would this be a good time to bring it up now? No, go ahead. Well, so for people who don't know, uh, I think the game takes... So certainly, like we've said, it's not a realistic sim. I mean, this isn't supposed to, uh, you know, model real life. But I think in terms of the weaponry and the actual survival, it's very realistic in that there's not guns and ammo littered all over the place. Like, there are no wooden crates to bust open to get a big box of grenades. Uh, You know, the character starts off by stealing, uh, you know, like you said, the machete from the guy you push in the pit. So he's got a machete and he's got a gun with no bullets. And it's quite a while until you find a bullet. It's one. Like, you have one for a long time. Mm -hmm. And if you're careless with that, you can go through a pretty significant portion of the game with no ammunition whatsoever. And as I'm sure most people would imagine, having a gun with no bullets in a game that, you know, you you meet enemies is is quite a tough situation. Um, Over the course of searching the the different uh, buildings and the different areas that you travel through, you can pick up other weapons. Eventually you get a bow, and with the bow you get exactly one arrow for a while, and if you fire that arrow you need to go and get it. You know, there's no there's no ammo shops. There's no money system there's in this game. There's two in the entire game. Yeah, exactly. So and one at the very end. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So for most of the game, I mean, you're feeling like this is a very serious thing. It's a very unique and novel approach to combat in that you actually have to very strongly consider every single encounter you get into. Is there a, a quiet way I can take this guy out without wasting my bullet? Can I can I shoot this guy before he shoots me? You know, how do I approach this? I mean, just the simple fact that uh, there's there's actually a shotgun in the game. It's it's kind of fairly well hidden, but you can find it. And in this shotgun has exactly five shots. There are literally 
no more sh- sh- uh, shells for that gun anywhere in the game. So you've got to think, I've got this one shotgun, which is pretty powerful, but it's it's for the length of the game. How do I, how do I want to use it? How am I going to use these five shots? And once it's out, it's out. So, I mean, to me, that was just mind-blowing, the way that they were so conservative with the weaponry and the combat. And, and honestly, I found it incredibly refreshing. I really like that stuff as well. I like the way they handled weapons. My complaint would be is that I I felt like the scenarios with the enemies weren't varied enough. That they in trailers and all the way through the marketing of this game they were saying oh you can deal with these situations in multiple different ways you have to really think about how you're going to approach these guys maybe they'll be uh, peaceful and they don't really want to rob you and you just leave them alone i can count two occasions where the person pointing a gun at me just wanted to be left alone most of the other occasions when people approached me with weapons they wanted to kill me and and it felt like there was no other way of getting out of that apart from surprise kill, take out the guy with a gun, and then kill the rest if if it's possible, or if they surrender, smack them on the head. There was no way... I would have loved if there was ability to just talk people down or something like that, because... I was impressed with it the first five times I did it, but as the game progressed and I felt like it was just rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, and the guys with the Kevlar armor really weren't a great addition because, I'm sorry, this wouldn't have bothered me if it was a Gears of War or Uncharted because those games are bombastic Hollywood fun, but this game is trying to go for a serious tone. Mm-hmm. It wants to be, it wants to evoke the road or something like that. And so when a guy with Kevlar armor approaches me thinking, well, I'm bulletproof, I'm sorry, but if you're wearing Kevlar armor and I shoot you, you're still going to be knocked onto the ground. You're not impervious to harm all of a sudden. Um, I, that kind of broke me out of the experience. I felt I felt like there, there was the potential for something great there, and it was missed. It, it's interesting because you know you talk about the five. You know, on the fifth time, it started to become you know a bit tedious. But really, there's only about twelve encounters in the entire game. Um, although the game is a fairly short game, five to six hours, the fact that there is only twelve combat encounters in the entire experience actually says how little combat there is. Um, and the way it plays out for, for people that haven't actually played the game, uh, you could walk into a room and say there's there's three guys in front of you. Uh, you have one bullet in your gun and a machete. Uh, three guys, one bullet and a machete. You realise that the, the odds are firmly stacked against you. So normally what would happen is the leader of the pack would walk up towards you and he's normally the one with the gun, so he's normally the most powerful one. He'd walk up to you, you have an option for a surprise attack, um, which is you take your machete and you slit across their throat and they drop down on the ground. By doing that, the the bullet suddenly becomes magically available um, and you, you have two bullets in, in your weapon. You use the, the the weapon to shoot one guy who then obviously tries to, to take you down because you've just seen his leader being taken down. He falls on the ground and you're left with a singular guy. Now, what, what can happen in this, this situation is that guy can then charge you, to which you're then left with a difficult uh, proposition of do I use my, my last bullet in my gun or do I uh, struggle kill? Now, struggle kill is where you have a machete, basically a machete struggle and you always win. I don't know if you can lose. I never lost on the machete struggle, so that's the fairly simple option. 
or you can press X on the 360 pad and uh, you can shout at him. Normally, by shouting, it, it persuades them that you, you know, you're the the number one in this scenario. You've already taken two two guys down, um, and he'll back away, and you can then either say kick him into a fire off a ledge or make him surrender, by which case you can smack him on the head and, and knock him to the ground. But I, I agree with you, Josh, about the Cavalier guys. They, they feel something left over from a different version of this game. Um, what they, I, I think what they're there to do is to make the player feel tense, because you have to use a manual shot and uh, do a headshot on them. Uh, so it's not just pull the trigger and, and they go down. It's You, you have to concentrate and sometimes you, you can mess that up and all of a sudden the one bullet you had uh, can not not have hit him in the right place and nine times out of ten that go those guys will kill you. I don't think you can kill him any other way. Um so I just think they're there as a bit of tension. Now that's just three guys. What can happen is you come against I think the maximum of five, maybe six guys, and then it becomes a real big um pattern of who's the leader of the packs, who do you need to focus on, who do you want to surprise kill, and where is the the nearest place that once you've made that initial chess piece move where you can get to where you at least give yourself you know, two or three seconds to kind of collect your thoughts. Um, but that doesn't really happen until later on in the game where you suddenly have an arrow, have your bow and an arrow. Um, but that you can actually vary it, because that's something I've heard that has been um, uh, a, a critical point being thrown at this game. So the, se- the second playthrough that I've been through, I actually did see that, you know, could you actually kind of back track a little bit could you lead them into corridors and, and take them uh, I took a whole group of six people down just with arrows just by picking one one off running getting the arrow backing up throwing another one then run into a different room it, it's dangerous and it's it's tricky but you can actually kind of have a little bit of a various variation in the combat if you choose to but uh, I think in some ways that takes away a little bit of the tension you know, it's it's interesting because I at first I was feeling the way that Josh was feeling in that it the combat even though there like you said there's only twelve encounters in the game they're so intense that it almost feels like you're constantly under attack and I think maybe that's an effect there's just the oppressive mood of the game overall but especially in the second uh, playthrough and it, it's one of those things where the combat is it's it's way more nuanced than you think and it is more puzzle-like than people are used to approaching. And i got to say, the combat is definitely the number one criticism that almost anybody has. I mean, most people who I talk to, when I mention this game and I praise it, you know, they immediately go, oh, that game's awful, oh, okay, wow, you like that garbage, blah. And when I investigate, they all, inevitably, it's the combat that they don't like. And I think most people approach it, not to say that you were doing this, Josh, but just that most people I talk to expect that it's going to be a regular brawler or that they can, you know, plow their way through a situation and get into it. But I think it's kind of... It's kind of realistic in that if you were going up against five or six guys, you know, pretty unlikely that you're going to kind of come out on top of that, um, even if you have a bullet or two. And and when you when you do these when these encounters, it's funny because they are so puzzle-like. They have to you really have to use a different part of your brain to kind of analyze the situation. And if you mess even one element of that up, like you get rushed. And it seemed to me like very very tense. You know, you, you miss your shot on the Kevlar guy, or you know. Uh, one thing that I didn't notice the first time around is you can only hold these guys at bay for so long. If you keep your gun out and threaten to shoot them, they'll they'll be cowed for a while. But if you hold it on them, they're eventually going to say, no, nah, no, nah, you're not going to shoot me. And they'll come at you regardless. So it's a very limited window of time for you to kind of um, size up your tactical options. And I, I really appreciated it even more the second time, even though I do admit it's kind of a hot or cold kind of thing. 
Um, I definitely didn't hate the combat in this game, and I'm surprised to hear some people think say that this is the worst part of the game for them. Because for me, it was actually the most interesting part. For me, it was just that I felt I wished they had pushed it further. It's not so much that I didn't like that what they were doing. It was more that I wish they'd gone further with it. I wish they'd really. Um, really reached its uh, true potential uh, we'll get on to um what i really hate about this game in a minute i think <laughs> okay so outside of the combat I, I think we'll probably come back and talk about that a little bit more um but we've already talked about limited resources um ammo being one um another is uh water and uh food Food plays into uh, your health bar. Basically, the, the way to lose that is by failing at combat in certain uh, sections, being shot. Uh, your health bar depletes pretty fast. You can really only take one or two hits of machete, or one or well, certainly, I think, a singular bullet will pretty all but kill you. Um, so, outside of combat, there's there's a lot of climbing. The, the The basis of this game is that you're trying to work your way through the city to find your wife. Um, uh, although doing so you you come across as we talked about me who's a um a six-year-old child um and along the way you decide that you you wish to help her you meet up a guy called henry who has kind of information um and you work your way through uh this fallen city now the fallen city is a lot of skyscrapers have, have fallen down smashed into the ground there's a lot of dust about clouds of dust poisonous dust um and this plays into another aspect of the game, which is limited resource, which is the stamina bar. Now, the stamina bar is used for climbing. Climbing, you, you do a lot of climbing. This a lot of climbing. This game. So, the stamina bar is you have a limited amount of strength in your arms. So, if you have a beam that you need to to move from left to right, if the beam is just slightly too long, then your stamina bar will deplete to the point where you start. It's got. It's really hard to explain the stamina bar, but you've got two levels of stamina. You have the your full bar, um, which depletes down its energy. And once all that is gone, you have a secondary bar, which depletes down again, which depletes down really fast. And you need to, to um, basically reach either higher ground or use a piton, which is something to stop you from you know, taking a break. God, how do you explain this? Well... I think it's that concept, the stamina bar, which you were talking about. I think that's a really interesting idea, and I, I really like that idea, and I hope it gets implemented into other games. My problem wasn't that, and I'm actually surprised so many people complained about that when I looked online to see other people's opinions. That wasn't the issue for me. It was the base controls for the climbing that really irritated me all the way through this game. There was, like, when climbing... The main issue I have is the way he chooses to select where to go in certain directions. Like, um, there are parts of the game where you're climbing up metal frames on buildings, and there are points where there uh, it goes off either left, right, or up and down. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I'm moving across something and I want to go down, I press the down button, but he just carries on moving left. And there's this situation where he's just fumbling about like an idiot because I can't get him to move down. And then there are another sections where you have to jump across chasms, which I could never pull off consistently because sometimes it's easy. I just hold down A, push in a direction, and he'll jump there like every other game with this mechanic. But then sometimes I'm holding down A, pushing left, and he's doing nothing at all. And I'm wondering... 
how does this get past QA? How can I... I'm doing exactly what I was doing five minutes ago, but your game has just suddenly decided that this no longer works. And there are just all the way through that there, there was just sections that irritated me constantly, and it and none of it and none of it had anything to do with the stamina bar. I think that idea on its own was a cool idea. I just wish it was attached to mechanics that weren't so broken. Right. Let me let me explain the stamina bar. I think this. The entirety of this game, I, I believe, focuses around the stamina bar, and it's a really important aspect. So what the stamina bar is, obviously, you can only progress so far with the amount of stamina you have as a, as a person. Um, and maintaining that stamina bar is really important. So essentially what it does, it limits how far you can climb. Now, there's a, a number of sections in the game where you can only climb so far before that stamina bar will be entirely depleted. Once that happens, you then need to take on board um, resources, i.e. water. Um, what I really like about that aspect of it is that there is a time limit to it. Now, normally you, you find a lot of um, climbing games, so Uncharted, Tomb Raider, etc etc is that you look at a wall you work your way up the wall and you go left you go right and if that doesn't work you go back down and just move yourself around and there never is any tension now how they've got over that nowadays is to give tension to the player by making things break so pipes break um suddenly the bridge collapses and you need to hit exit just at the right time otherwise you fall off and i always find that it's it's somewhat of a fake tension it's just like okay well i missed a button press oh oh woe me I love how the stamina bar gives you a definitive amount of time. Yeah. If you do not get where you in your destination in that definitive amount of time, you are in real trouble. Now, obviously, what you can do is when it gets really close and it plays a, a horrendous tune of tension to the player, you take on resources. Now, if you don't have the resources, this will allow you to all but certainly die. So it... it plays into a lot of what the game does is all about resource management and the stamina bar is the most important one out of all these things because if you don't have stamina then you ain't getting anywhere through this game um which also forces you to to go off the beaten track to find resources as i've said already i like that idea i really do i had nothing against that idea whatsoever i think that's a cool idea i just everything around it just really didn't work at all for me just just the controls in general I, there are so many things that happened which weren't because I wasn't doing anything wrong it's because the game had led me to believe that if I did this this would happen but, See, but it's just completely inconsistent all the way through I, um, I, and this, uh, I always hear people when they, when they first talk about I'm Alive and I think a lot of the, the critical reviews were pre-patch now obviously Josh you haven't played pre-patch but because of the you know the torrid time this game had in development I think it did have a number of issues that didn't make its way through um, when it first made its way to the market but they did release a day one patch and now this is the same issue they had on the PC six months eight months after they released it on the Xbox 360 they released it and they had to patch it again to fix a, a load of bugs and, and it's really annoying to see but a lot of what you're talking about yes I did come to points you know junctions where it's the left right choice and the player goes straight up and you're frustrated that, you know, part of your stamina bar is whistling down, you know, it wasn't because of your fault. But I have to admit, they didn't happen very often to me um, because you should really be, you know, taking your time, studying environments, working where you're going. And normally if I had a right junction coming up, I was pretty much pressing up and right all at the same time. 
Yeah, I, I didn't have a lot of problem with it either. There were certainly a few points when it felt slippery, and I'm, I'm sure that a little more work could have tidied that up. But in general, I found the game to be very deliberate. I mean, I think deliberate deliberateness as a value is very, very reinforced throughout the entire game. And so, kind of like what you said, Tony, like, this is one instance where you can't just Tomb Raider or Uncharted your way through where you just kind of blindly search the wall until you find the right path. I mean, I found myself often stopping beforehand before I would get to a place where I needed to climb. I would certainly look up, and I would kind of scan the whole way and look to see if I could find the proper path and the shortest path uh, to find not only the correct way, but the, the shortest way to, so I could conserve as much stamina as possible. And I, I, I can't think of any game where that was really so encouraged and reinforced as it was here. I mean, it's very serious if you get halfway up a ledge and all of a sudden you've misjudged the distance or there's a jump you didn't see and you have to make that jump and then all of a sudden your guy is tired. I mean, that's like, that's game over. It's death right there. That's pretty harsh, harsh penalties. Um, I, I, there were certainly times when, uh, you know, like Josh said, I wanted to go left and went up. And when you're low on stamina and that crazy music is playing, uh, that music, when that kicks in, your heart starts going and you get nervous and you start making mistakes because you're in a rush and you want to hurry up and get to safety. The audio, especially that, that panic music is just crazy. I mean, props mm-hmm. to that because it really does its job well. But, um, I, I didn't have much difficulty and I really do think that this is a different kind of climbing. Like it's a really very, very cautious, very deliberate climbing. Yeah, and I think if you approach it in any other way, I've seen a number of reviews where the reviewers got very frustrated um, because it's just it's a different way of looking how to approach essentially a venture game. I, the, the thing is, I, I feel like every time I bring up a criticism, it's because I'm no. looking at it the wrong way. It's not. <laughs> it's not that. It's I. I came to it the way it wants me to see it. I looked at those. You know the way the wall was designed, and looked at how, where I wanted to go and stuff like that. That wasn't the issue. I knew exactly where I wanted to go. It was when I tried to pull off something that the game had led me to believe I could pull off, and it would be easy enough. And then it just suddenly decided, "Oh no, you can't do that now." There was a section where um, I was on a wall, and I had watched the walkthrough for it because I was just, "Why couldn't I pull off this jump to another ledge?" Because the game had just, for some reason, decided my jump button wasn't going to work anymore and my analog stick wasn't going to work anymore unless I climbed in the other direction. And I was thinking, well, I must be missing something. But no, I looked at the walkthrough. That's exactly what you're meant to do, what I thought I was meant to do. And so the game was just refused, you know, just refusing to work the way it led me to believe it should work. So I, when people say, well, Josh, you need to think of it not as an Uncharted. I wasn't thinking of it as an Uncharted. I was thinking of it as this really different and unique climbing system, but a different and unique climbing system that half the time just decided it wasn't going to work properly. Well, and you know, I can't speak that that was my experience. I've, I've been through the game three times now, and maybe I've just become so used to, to how it controls that I, you know some of that stuff has become somewhat oblivious to me. But um, you know, I, I know when it did happen, um, it was frustrating, and certainly when you you were down on resources, it was really frustrating that you know it it didn't quite work a hundred percent to to what you're after. But I feel like it's such a a different and unique approach that I'm willing to give it a little bit of slap that it it's not a hundred percent working. Well, control should always work, but I there, I think there is a little bit of slack I I I give it just because it, it tries something fundamentally different. Yeah, I definitely hear what you're saying, though, Josh. I mean, I, I don't think I wasn't trying to say that you were looking at it in an uncharted way. I just think that uh, 
uh, for whatever reason, I didn't have as many control problems as you do, but I definitely did experience some, so I do hear what you're saying. Mm. Another interesting aspect is that, in fact, um, when you're climbing, that's you're kind of on safe ground. When you're high, you're on, you're on safe ground because the city where the city has fallen apart and um, you know buildings has crashed, it's created a lot of dust in, in the environment. So once you go below the, uh, it's kind of like you know, fifteen or so meters, the entirety of the world is covered in a thick, um, poisonous plume of. Um, I assume it's dust, isn't it? Um, and so normally in the, these games, you find that the, the climbing aspect is the bit that you should be you know, scared and worried about. In fact, just walking through the, the lower part of the city is, is a lot more ten- uh, has a lot more tension than the climbing does. Um, once again, your stamina bar plays uh, a huge significance here, is that you can only spend so long in the dust before it, severely affects your health so as you're walking through um, fairly limited vision in the environment you're constantly scanning for poles or just areas that to take you above that 15 meter line Um, and it you know the music plays there's a real tension to to just moving from a to b which is normally just a simple street if you look at the map you're going okay i just need to run down this street but the last thing you want to do is start sprinting because once again that uses more stamina so you're you're taking slow and uh, precise steps of actually working how to get through these environments where to take much needed uh, air breaks before you move back down into into the um the dust around you I thought the atmosphere that the dust created in those situations was really great. It did have a Silent Hill vibe. And the fact that the dust itself was actually dangerous to your health also added to a lot to the tension as well. It, it, it did feel kind of like a survival horror. It felt kind of like a survival horror type game in those kind of situations, especially when you saw stuff in the shadows and you weren't quite sure whether something was um, in the background that, that could be dangerous to you. There was one occasion where I was walking across this pole in the dust and I swear I just saw this guy walking back and forth on the um, other side of this uh, cliff and I never got a good look at him so I I don't know if there was somebody actually there or or if it was my imagination playing tricks on me did any of you encounter that guy am I talking like a crazy person there was this guy just that's the guy that has the shotgun. He's kind of meant to be hard to find, and if oh, you right. work your way around a certain way, he's on this little teeny little island of safety. I actually didn't find it through my first time. I found it on the FAQ. I tried to track it down, and I just wasn't able to suss out how to get to him. But yeah, the, he, there's a certain path you can go, and then he's down there. And if you give him, uh, I think it's four or five vital items, he'll trade you for the shotgun. So he's kind of like a, an Easter egg a little mm. bit. Um, a lot is made of the survivors, actually. Uh, uh... And these seem to rub people up the wrong way. They they are pretty binary, I guess. You give them an item, and they don't essentially give you anything back. But so that would be okay. So you you have a med kit, and the person needs a med kit. Um, and when, like you said, Josh, it, you feel like it it should play into something bigger, into a moral choice. But um, it it all depends how how willing you are to, to use your resources. Now, I mean, I've, I've played this on, on two different difficulty settings. Uh, I think there's the normal. I believe they've added an easy one for the PC. And then you have Survivor. Um, obviously, normal, there's there's a fair amount of resources to be found. On Survivor mode, resources are really hard to come by. 
Um, in fact, there is actually an achievement for going through the entirety of the game and actually not dying, um, which I, I've tried to go for twice and failed only about two hours in. So oh, <laughs> I'm probably no. not going to go for a third time. Um, but it's an interesting uh, aspect nevertheless. But um, on, like I say, on Survivor, I think this this is where people um, who, who've find you know these moral choices a bit too just one side will find you know i have a med pack here take the med pack if you've got one or two med packs that's really not an issue for me when i was playing through my survivor mode and that was my main playthrough when i was going through it the first time and i was collecting these things and i was actually after the achievement of helping every survivor in the game i believe i think there's 16 in total 20 20 20 um they these were really actually quite big choices to me because I had limited resources. Um, I, I was after this achievement, and you could say, well, you know, that's my own binary choice of after my uh, an achievement. But it, it added to the thing where I was like, well, I, this this med pack could be really, really useful for me, but I'm just going to give it to you ultimately for an achievement. You could say the game is kind of forcing me through, uh, you know, its own means rather than through the story. But actually, if you help these people, they deliver a lot of this. Uh, it's almost like finding an audio diary. They they deliver a lot more story than you're given to any other way. The only other way to really get the story is through Henry, who's helping you out, um, May and uh, her mum. But um, they talk about how. Uh, people were were taken to these different shelters and ultimately how the shelters then uh, failed um how you know the army came in and tried to to do different things and basically how these people decided not to leave their homes and not to evacuate these cities to to safer places um it's a it's a small added thing for for someone that wants to go out and explore the wider aspects of this game but i actually really enjoyed it. i i kind of the the dialogue's not great but I think it's an interesting aspect of the game. But I think a lot of people just decide no, not to help them in, in any way whatsoever because the resources are more interesting for them to keep. It's interesting the way that they handle these survivors because in some ways, um, again, we keep coming back to this issue of how realistic is it? Is it realistic? Is it not realistic? And in this particular instance, I thought it was fairly realistic. I mean, it's kind of like you come across these people and they want different things. Um, I mean, the first thing I found was everybody was a little bit different. Uh, it wasn't just you meet a person waving on a corner and you give them this thing. I mean, some people uh, need food. Some people need water. One guy needs an inhaler. One guy is dying and he wants some cigarettes. One person uh, wants like a tomato or something. You know, they all have these different varying needs and, and they're in these different situations. So I found that to be uh, interesting in that the variety was, was enough to keep me uh, inclined towards helping them because I wanted to see what they needed or what was going on with them. But also, I mean, if you look at it, in real life, if someone says, oh, I need a Band-Aid or I'm really hurt, you help that person, but it's not like a giant stack of cash pops out of their pocket and you, you take and you go on your way. I mean, it's just like you help them and then you're done. You help them and you know that and that's all That's all that there is. You just have that knowledge and you can, you know, pride yourself that you help them or you can just reassure yourself that you made the right choice by not helping them. And it's kind of the same in this situation. I mean, it's, it's dire for everyone. Everyone's starving. Everyone needs water. There's barely enough air to breathe. And here's this person who is asking for a can of food and you have a can of food. I mean, do you give it to them? Okay, you gave it to them, and you helped them, and that's it. I mean, that's really all there is to it. It's it's kind of a binary thing, but I think that kind of echoes um, reality a little bit. Um, although, although uh, as a side note, we haven't really discussed this yet, but the game gives you a limited number of retries if you die, and they start you out with, I think, three, and on the normal mode, you have three, 
every time you die, and if you lose all three, then they set you back to the beginning with another three. Uh, however, in survivor mode, I think once you run out of three or whatever you run out of, like that's it, like that's the end of the game. And by helping these uh, survivors, each one that you help gives you an additional retry. So there actually is a video game parallel where they give you a bonus or something, although it's you know it's not nearly as nifty as a brand new gun or a you know a new outfit to wear or anything like that. At the, at the time, the retry stuff really bugged me. Uh, first playthrough It's probably because I had so few of them. So when I did actually lose a life, so I I got a combat situation wrong, or I made a, a silly jump that I shouldn't have made, and I lost a retry. And suddenly I only had two retries at this one particular part of the game. Then I was like, what? Like, you know, where where would it set me back? You know, right to the start of the level. But I mean, that's you know, you could have you, you're looking sometimes the best part of forty minutes worth of gameplay. I just felt like you know, games have maybe come further on than that you know my time is precious and how dare you take 40 minutes away from my save file to make me do it again yeah it did add another layer of tension that what i was doing was of importance and if i got it wrong then i would be punished for that um playing for on normal the retry situation never really uh, reared its head at you because they seem to give them out you know of a, a, a plentiful rate um and you know the resources are there to to be used at a, a, you know a more significant amount, but and it never really had that kind of desired effect. But I can say on survivor mode, it is actually a real issue when you start seeing that you have one try retry of an area that you know it's taking you forty minutes to get to the very end of. It's interesting you say that because I think, if nothing else, this game is tension personified. Um, when I played through this game the first time, I was ill with tension. I was just so nervous and on edge. I mean, the the atmosphere is really oppressive and dismal. There's despair everywhere you look. And then, you know, there's the retry situation. So you're looking at this and you're thinking, oh, my God, I've only got two retry bandages left. And if that's over, then this whole thing is over. And I've only got one bullet. And there's going to be six guys around the corner. And I'm running out of food. And, I, you know, I, I used my last can of fruit cocktail. And I have no more stamina. And I've only got a third of the stamina that I need to climb this wall. Mm-hmm. And what am I going to do? I mean, this game is not fun. Like, I don't think this game is fun in any sense to play at all. I don't jump into this game and think, oh, that was great, I just took these guys out, or oh, that was wonderful, I had a, you know, a ball and experience there, but it's it's so tense, and it's so oppressive, and it's so dark, that that in itself was kind of an achievement to me, and I think that was just reinforced by every system we've talked about so far, I mean, the retries, helping survivors or not, with very little reward, you know, the limited ammo and everything, I mean, just the entire, the entire sphere of the game is focused on 
the tone and the mood and the darkness of survival after this disaster. And I think that that is just so amazing. I mean, I really, even though I hated it and it, it made me depressed and, you know, I needed to take some Xanax or something after I got done playing the first time, I really just, I admired how strong that sense was. Did you guys, do you guys agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that's the thing that I, after finishing this game, that's the thing that I loved the most about it was the atmosphere and the sense of tension. Um, for whatever you know, whatever issues I have with the actual mechanical side of things, I do think that it captures that perfectly. Um, and also, just on top of that, I liked that the game was willing to say, actually, in this particular situation, you don't have a you don't have a choice to help these people. Um, one example that happened to me was there's the uh, there's this group of cannibals, and uh, if you go exploring around that area, you find that they have some people imprisoned um, out back. But I used my bullets to shoot the guards that were guarding them, and then there's this padlock there and I can't shoot the padlock because I've run out of bullets <laughs> oh, no. so it's just this situation of these people crying out to me going please help me please let, let, let us go come on they'll eat us and I'm like I, I, look guys if I had the ammo I would absolutely help you out I'll be right but back. I've got this kid on my back I think those guys outside eating peculiar barbecue are giving me funny looks now so mm. I'm sorry but I've got a skedaddle and and that was horrible, but in a good way, you know, like the way that The Walking... It reminded me of moments in The Walking Dead where well, you felt like you didn't have a choice that no matter what you did as a character, that was just going to turn out the way it was. But it was but it was handled really well because I know if I hadn't have shot those guys, if I took them out in a different way, those guys would be walking free. I thought that was really well handled. And I think the the easy parallel to to put it to, to anything outside of gaming is Cormac McCarthy's The Road. I, I you know it, it reminds me mostly of that. It's a dire place. I mean, this as Brad said, this isn't really a game that you're, you're meant to be enjoying. It's just a situation that you find yourself in. Um, I mean, Josh, you mentioned cannibalism. I mean, I always even in The Walking Dead, I felt that they they handled the cannibalism thing almost in a well, in a comic book tone, uh, strangely enough, but it it just came across of oh yeah that the old cannibalism, cannibalism cliche seen that before, and I felt like in in the walk in in um, I am alive they just dealt with it a little bit better. It's just well you you can you not sympathise them, but you can see how these people have led to this decision. There is no food, you know this world has you know no ability to grow food. Resources are so thin on the ground. You can kind of like. Of course, you're going to be, play the good guy. You're going to try to let those guys out if you can. But I found myself going, ah, well, you know, times are pretty, pretty tough, right? Um, and, and it's the same. There's, I, I, I was a little, ish, uh, little unsure about the prostitution stuff because, I, you know, in a society that has fallen apart, you know, that far, is prostitution really something that is going to play a significant part? You know, these gangs of people. But I think, once again, they, they handle it fairly deftly that, um, you know, women are there and they're being you know used and abused for sure but at the same time i you know they're, they're being fed <laughs> so that you know their their captors are keeping them alive for for something for them which is pretty hideous but from their point of view you know at least they, they're still alive it, it's a it's a it's a real difficult situation it puts the player in a of course i'm always going to do the right thing and you know but sometimes i'm just like well 
you know, civilization once again just follows the same tropes that you probably think it would do in these situations. It's interesting you bring that up because I was actually really impressed with the different uh, elements the game brought up that so many other games don't even dare to tread. I mean, like, if, for example, I didn't see that as really as prostitution, but more of like an enforced slavery kind of thing. But either way, I mean, it's six of one, half dozen of the other. It's a terrible situation. But as you're as you're entering this hotel where this is taking place, I remembered being just so taken aback by, you know, you enter this room and there's a, a gap in the floor and you're kind of looking towards the other half of this ruined room and you see this guy approaching this woman and she's like screaming for help and he's just, you know, being this evil guy. And it was so stark and so in your face and so brutal that you know, for the first time I saw it, I was like, oh my God, like this is terrible. And, you know, luckily you have the chance, I mean, if you have a weapon on you, that you can shoot the guy and take care of the situation. But I mean, the fact that that even happened was just... It was like a slap in the face. Like, it, it really told me, hey, you're not playing a regular game anymore. This is something that's doing something a little different. And, I mean, that was kind of echoed by one of the very first scenes in the game. Um, when you when you uh, are making your way into the city for the first time, there's a, a section of the road that's fallen away. And so it's too far to jump, but you can see people on the other side of this gap. And it turns out to be this, this lady who is being grabbed... Uh, by these guys that are running this, you know, forced sex hotel. And you can't do anything but sit there and they're, she's screaming in the ground and they're grabbing her and they're, you know, she, they're chasing her. And you're looking at this and you're thinking, God, what, what the hell? I mean, this is a game. Why am I looking at this? It's so dark and brutal. And I just, it sets the tone immediately. It, it, it ups the stakes in terms of the, the content that you're about to play through. And it really tells you, you know, this is, this is something else. And I really respected it for that. I know a lot of people had some problems with some of the graphic elements, and it's certainly not for everybody. But, you know, as a critic who plays a million games and who is always looking for something that's more weighty and more significant and looking for the medium to be pushed forward a little bit, this was just, oh, it was just so amazing to see somebody really take it by the horns and just go for it like that. I, I think this, this, Quite often comes across as a Marmite game, and I always think that's that's somewhat of a cop out answer. But oh, you know, you either love it or you don't. Like you know, if you don't love it, then state your reasons why you don't love it because you know that's your opinion. But it does play into that. Um, you know, I, I think you. I tend to. I'm tending to look at the game um, from a slightly kind of more rose tinted aspect, I guess. Where I, I come into the game, you you could view this game as quite an ugly game. Yeah, there's a lot of um, mist and fog effects going around. Um, you know, there's there's once you know, which leads to limited sight. So you could argue, well, from a technical point of view, it meant that they could you know not have to deal with quite you know such you know, intense graphics. Um, but I saw that as it's a stylistic choice. Um, you know, this this place, you know, this is a city that's been destroyed. There's a lot of, you know, mist and, and fog and, and dust on the ground in which that actually plays into a gameplay element. So it's not just there as a, you know, as a, you know, a mechanic to get them out from having to produce better graphics. It's there as a gameplay consideration. Um, there's actually an interesting mod that I've been playing around with on the PC version where you can remove all the mist and fog effects from the, from the game. As I said, draw distance perfectly fine. Um, and it's weird to see it in 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 these kind of stark. The, the colours are there, but they've been muted for the for the palette tone they've decided to go with. So like they could have gone with that, but they chose to to try something different. And I appreciate how that game looks. Um, once again, I think a lot of the mechanics. I think you could look at those and and find them frustrating. I found them actually empowering as a gamer. That you know, yes, they're difficult and they're hard situations to work through. But I'm willing to work with these mechanics because they're ultimately something different than what I'm expecting normally from a, uh, a, a basically a platforming type uh, experience. I, I totally agree. I mean, I think that 
most of the game, as you look at it, really is like gray or black or white. And I, I've heard a lot of complaints saying, oh, it's drab, it's hard to tell where you're going, you know, the fog is a hassle and all that kind of stuff. But I agree, man. I think it's all very intentional. And and, and no further proof of that is needed than when you finally get to um, one of the only friendly characters in the game, his name is Henry, and you get to his apartment at one point, and up until then you've been in the fog in the city for, I don't know, maybe two or three hours or something like that. And it's just been gray and black and oppressive and dark, and you you can't see very far. And then you open the door to his apartment, and you come inside, and then all of a sudden, the entire apartment is in, like, this bright color. Everyone's got skin tone. Everything is lit up. And you think, oh, my God, like, it's it's beautiful. Like, it's so great. And you feel this rush of joy when you get to the apartment for the first time. And to me, that just really showed how effective the rest of the game was at setting the proper tone. You know, this apartment is, is clearly a safe zone, and so it's kind of returning you to the normal world a little bit, and the color comes back. And it's such a clear parallel to what the game is trying to tell you. I thought it was just amazing, amazing. And, and on top of that, I think there's also several points in the game where they kind of do a little mirror's edge kind of thing, where they, they point things out to you by giving you a strong bit of contrast. Everything is so dark and gray, but if you get a little lost, all you have to do is look around, and if you see something, that sticks out. Some, some, sometimes the pipes are red. Sometimes the important items are like a glowing white. You can see them, and it guides you through. I mean, I think that's kind of a UI player friendliness kind of thing. But I think it, it all just works together so well. And, and honestly, the game really looks pretty good for being in black and white most of the time. I was kind of surprised at how, how great I, I, it was, and I, I just really didn't mind the lack of color. Yeah, I think Josh mentioned this, and and both you and Josh uh, mentioned this, but I I think for me where this game is strongest is when you take all the aspects and and bring them together. So um, I think if you have a one particular issue with something, then it can leave the whole experience feeling kind of collapsing around you. But for me, it all worked uh, into one big interesting package. Um, We haven't really kind of talked a little bit about some of the um, sections that really impressed us, but... I, I really like the climbing in this game, um, and that's not a thing I normally say. I mean, I'm so used to now games being about those big action moments. Um, once again, bring up Tomb Raider, where they're fun. They, you know, the big bridges falling down and hitting X, and they're all playing out in front of you. But the player really having very little control. So that, you know, quite often you can actually just once you've saved yourself, stay there, and the game will play around you, and then you just move forward, and everything's fine. I like the fact that you know me as the player has to make the choices if I'm going to drop, if I'm going to... Um, they have a, a thing called a piton, which is a, a time to take a break. So you, you put these into war and it actually refills your stamina bar, um, which are lifesavers. And they, they're they very hard to come by. And when you find one, you only ever want to use it as and when you feel like the time is absolutely necessary. But there's a few times, like um, there's a skyscraper that's fallen down and you're you're trying to work your way to the top of this um, tower because there's medical supplies you need for May, who's got uh, basically asthma, and you, you need to give her some bits to help her not die. Um, and you come to this edge of the skyscraper and you're looking down and it's just this sheet of glass that goes downwards and you've got to work your way down it. And there's pipes and ridges along the way. Uh, and you look down and think, knowing my stamina bar and knowing where I've got to get over to the left-hand side of this building, there is no way that I have the ability to get there without using a whole ton of resources. But you jump down onto this pane of glass, you slide down for a fairly long way, you grab this ledge at the very last minute. By grabbing that, you lose about half of your stamina bar, which 
I for one wasn't expecting at the time. So I was like, oh my god, now I have even less of the resources I thought I would do to tackle this situation. So, but you, you're left constantly thinking on the move rather than just pressing a button to get yourself out of that quick time event and situation. You're left as a gamer to actually start thinking like a gamer. Okay, well now I I need to at this point go into my infantry, you know, fill up my stamina. How much of the water do I have remaining? That's probably not enough, so I need to use a, a piton at this point. But knowing at this point, if I get through here, then I've used all my resources, and there may not be anything necessarily you know around the next corner. The game's not that unfair. It normally does dish out at least something to get you moving moving on. But uh, I just like the fact that. It, you know, it's it's willing to to you know make the player make the choices rather than now you know which is a common thing nowadays which is make the player just p- press the button and kind of just watch the pretty colors actually unfold around them. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I I really do like the climbing in this game um, as well. I think the developers actually did a fantastic job on the environments. I thought they were so varied, so intricate, and so interesting. It didn't feel to me like any part of the game was cut and pasted. It felt like every section was something new and something unique. And I really liked the challenge of of climbing through those. Um, I mean, contrast that to, I mean, uh, it's the Uncharted games. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of the Uncharted games. And one of the things I dislike the most about those is they feel so brainless. Um, you know, when Nathan Drake comes up to a ledge, it's totally obvious where you need to go. You push the button. And when I did my review of one of the Uncharted games, I really hammered it for these weird animations that happened where if you pointed Drake slightly off target, the game would kind of magically pull him back on target. And it looked like so unnatural and so weird. And honestly, that was a place where the player should have fallen and died. But because that's not what Uncharted is about, they saved you and you don't really have to do anything except for just push the button, like you said. I mean, you can die in the combat, but when it comes to the navigation, it's almost impossible to die. But so some I- respects, I'm willing... Like that That's what that guy game is. It's this big action experience and like they're not actually going for that tomb raider does the same thing where i don't think it's actually going for that angle um so i'm it's you know i'm i'm sound like joshua but i'm willing to kind of let it let it do its its thing well, yeah there. The, the the tone's in completely different uncharted is an indiana jones movie whereas this is trying to be a serious almost like an independent movie like the road as we keep saying mm. so you know i i'd expect the mechanics in here to be more harsh um, again, I've said this already, but I don't quite agree with you two about the the execution of these controls. I like the idea behind them, but yeah, I, I just I wish that it was a little bit more consistent, and I I just wish. Um, for example, that they had more stuff like the Paton, and um, uh, and I wish I hadn't didn't have to rely on constantly drinking water, which to me is actually kind of the, you know the game's going for realism. Water doesn't suddenly make your know, yeah. muscles <laughs> uh, lose fatigue. Um, That's really good water, man. I don't know if you've tried that water, but that water is pure. Water. It's so good. It's so good. It, it's funny. <laughs> like the apocalypse happened and all these bad things happened, but water, man, just the best. Now it's like milkshake. It's great. You know, um, to be fair, I feel like we've kind of we we've kind of overruled you a little bit so far on this, Josh. And I, I do want to say that I, do, right. I totally agree with you when it comes to the resources. I, one thing that I would have liked to have seen is if it was possible to, to make every climb without using resources. Now, maybe that's true. I don't know if that's possible. But it seemed to me that there were at least a few times when you had to have some resources. And like you say, when you're climbing up a building, one hand on a, a concrete ledge and the other hand out in free space, 
eating a, a piece of fruit cocktail is not going to save you from falling to your death, you know? So that was, that was a little weird to me, and that was kind of gamey. I mean, that felt to me like a concession towards playability. I, I would have liked to have seen more realism when it comes to that, because they go a pretty far away towards it. But no, I, I'm with you on that. I, I don't think that drinking water on the side of a skyscraper it should have saved you from falling. I, I agree. No more, Josh? <laughs> no, it's fine. It's all right. <laughs> No, I mean, I, 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 I hear what you're saying about the controllers. I mean, I, I have experienced a couple of times where I'm like, okay, just go right, stop, stop trying to go up, uh, and they are frustrating. But you know, it, it didn't happen as much, and I wonder is, um, obviously, you weren't necessarily under that much of a rush. But I mean, Liam was was meant to be on the show, but uh, you know, through his his busy work schedule, he, he didn't, couldn't get the game played in time. Um, and you know, when he was talking about having to play the game in in one day, this isn't really a game that, although it's a short game, it's not really a game that you tackle like that. Um, it's not a particularly fun game to play in in that regards. I, I think it 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 benefits from you know playing over you know three or four different sessions where you can kind of take in the environments and take in the you know, the pace of the game because the pace of the game is unlike many other games i've played it, it actually wants the player to to take his time you know it's you know we all want to press that run button and get from a to b as fast as possible but for all the mechanics that are actually around you um you know it it's it's not often beneficial to actually run to places because your stamina bar is going down it can actually cause you more harm than good so there is a lot of kind of thinking on your feet rather than just you know pushing forward as fast as possible absolutely i mean this is definitely a very deliberate very slow paced very take your time and think about it kind of game i mean the perfect example is the resources my first time through i was struggling and struggling i you know i'd have like one can of pop and you know one thing to eat and that was it and i was having a really tough time barely made it by the skin of my teeth uh the second time through when i was following the faq and taking my time I was blown away by how many resources there were available if you take the time to calm the environments very thoroughly. Granted, it was on normal. It wasn't on Survivor, so that was a, a factor, too. But there's a lot more in the game than you would first find. And so people who struggle the first time, I would say, definitely take your time, explore thoroughly. And the gamer, I mean, the developers give you far more than you can use, certainly. A lot of actually reading a lot of reviews, um, a lot of people complain about the difficulty of the game. Um... And I, I think that's a rock and a hard place for for a development house. You know, it, I I think they for me they get it just about right for normal. I think you know if you're taking your time, normal's not massively challenging. I I think you know once you know the mechanics, I think it handles it pretty well. Survivor, on the other hand, is a, a different task altogether because the resources are severely cut down, um, and it, it is pretty pretty hard to get through the entirety of the game without, you know, if you get into one too many fights and you, know, you use a bunch of retries, it, it's actually not a fun experience. But then I kind of think that's that's the whole point of that. You know, it is a survival mode. It, it's not, you know, not, they don't want to hold your hand. So, but, um, you know, like I say, if, if, if they made a, an easy mode, which they eventually did for the PC version, because um, people complained enough, uh, and I believe that dishes out the resources in, in a fast quantity, I think that it, in some regards it kind of breaks what the game was trying to achieve in the very first place. Right, some feedback from the forum. So, Black 39 Since the first time I heard about I Am Alive, I was intrigued. An FPS from Ubisoft focusing on survival rather than outgun play. I was, it was a unique concept compared to what was out at the particular time. However, the game almost vanished from the, from the first reveal and would only crop up ever so often, much like Alan Waite did. So finally, when it did eventually get announced, only this time as a third-person XBLA PSN title... My reactions were a mixture of surprise and excitement that I would actually get to play this game after all that time. 
From the first minute I was hooked by this incredible atmosphere brought to life by the bleak graphical landscape and the eerie sound effects and minimal orchestral score. The overall story of a man desperately trying to be united with his family resonated with me immediately being a father myself. The actual combat in the game was very satisfying and unlike anything I'd ever played before and the climbing mechanic was a welcome antidote to the Assassin's Creed which was a dumbed down and virtually required hardly any skill at all. Also, I liked the fact that you had lives instead of regenerating health. This gave the game an old school feel to it. And that's the thing that it didn't hold your hand like most games do today. Josh, you want to handle Delby? Okay. Uh, Delby2k says, I really thought this game was going to be something a little different after the first half an hour of play. A stylish adventure where interactions between you and the population, both friendly and foe, would would be dynamic and evolving over the course of the adventure. Where environment and avatar capability would create tense situations and require tough judgment calls. What I got was a standard adventure where every interaction between me and the NPCs boiled down to the same series of steps and the climbing never required any real thought. What I got was a very by uh, <clears throat> what I got was a very by the numbers adventure. First the platforming. I like the idea of the stamina bar but here it mostly felt pointless. There were always so many rations I was never in danger. It is only that final ascent where I felt challenged in how I tackled the environment, something that happened far, far too late. Alongside that, the environment language I honestly felt was awful. While the black and white star was visually appealing, it failed to consistently indicate where to go next, leading to moments of aimless wandering uh, wandering and and randomly jumping against walls. Secondly, the encounters with the gangs. Initially, the indication is that the that intimidation can help you escape the situations you get yourself in. And my hope was that this would mean more than just killing or assaulting them. This is not the case. Once they see you, they will chase you, which means every single encounter turns into exactly the same series of steps. Surprise kill, get bullet, shoot member with gun, struggle kill the last one. Rinse and repeat. The numbers may change, but the tactic doesn't. More gun gun handling members, shoot them and grab the bullets. Even the introduction of the bow does not change the way these are approached. Basically, they are puzzles, but puzzles that just turn into bland gateways instead of meaningful interactions. The story is fine, uh, slightly by the numbers, and for me lacked any real punch. Yes, there was an attempt at an emotional heart, but it just felt very ordinary. I suspect it may resonate more if you have a family, but for me, it just felt like another save person X and... person y from a terrible fate something that feels something that feels has been done hundreds of times before it is not a bad game not at all but neither did it ever feel that special do we do do you guys you guys don't traditionally comment on people's comments do you or do you yeah we kind of yeah it's Uh, okay so I, i i have a lot to say about that last comment but all i will say is that I strongly disagree that this is a by the numbers adventure. I feel like I feel like I am alive breaks the mold in so many ways. I have a really hard time conceiving of how someone could possibly say that. But that's their opinion. I let them have it respectfully, but by the numbers, I I don't see it. 
I'd actually agree with Brad. I may feel much more negatively about this game than Brad does, but I don't think there's anything about this game that's by the numbers. Yeah, I don't think it's perfect, and I think some of the some of the issues he brings up, I I think, are fair complaints. But um, I don't think they overrule the entirety of those experience. What it tries to do with those individual ideas, uh, but obviously for for Delby, they did. Brad, can you tackle uh, Leon's comment? Yes, uh, and from uh, missing member Leon Cox, um, the game starts promisingly with a compelling premise, a pleasingly stark color palette, and some good ideas about making surviving and killing in a game more than mere trifles. I appreciate the unremittingly bleak atmosphere and the tension generated by the limited stamina and health along with the accompanying music. What I don't appreciate are the frankly appalling climbing controls and the even worse signposting. Trying to transition climbing intersections is nightmarish. The controls somehow manage the double whammy of being both stiff and sloppy. The stamina bar is constantly plummeting as you wrestle with the inadequate interface. I understand that you're playing an everyman, albeit a capable one, but due to the poor controls, he performs like an uncoordinated idiot and not in a convincing manner. As for direction of the player, I understand that when below the dust line, you are supposed to be panicked and disoriented, but sending the player to dead end after dead end with almost zero visibility of potential safe areas, which you may not have enough strength to, left to reach anyway, is simply a terribly frustrating experience, even more so when you consider that you have limited tries. Identicate confrontations, repetitive speech samples, and laughably basic moral choices just add to the sense that this game is rather half-baked. Some cool ideas basically ruined by poor execution is my assessment of I Am Alive after just under half the game. A real shame. And it's a good thing you're not here, Leon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'll, I'll tackle some of those things that he brings up in his uh, comment in my summarisation of the game, I think. But So, let's move straight on to our summaries as we push for time. Uh, Josh? I really, really wanted to like I Am Alive. There are a lot of things in this game that I really want video games to do. I respect the ideas and the ambitions that go on in this game. And But for me personally, and this may just be a problem that I have, ambition and great ideas aren't enough. You have to follow it through with execution. And for me, I Am Alive doesn't do that. I don't hate the game. I respect it. I think there are things it's doing that I wish more games did. I just wish it did those things better than it does. And ultimately, I felt a little bit unsatisfied with the experience because I've seen other games take sections of what it's doing and do them much better. I mean, I feel like having played The Walking Dead previous to this, if I hadn't have played that game, maybe my opinion on this one would have been uh, more positive because I think that game handles the atmosphere and feeling of being in a post post-apocalyptic environment much better than this game i know it's a very it's almost a different genre that that's an adventure game this is much more of a action game well i say action game but you know what i mean it's not as uh, it's not a choice driven game like walking dead but having said that you know i respect it i wish there were more games doing what it's doing and I hope other games look at what it's doing and saying, okay, that's a good idea. Let's go make that good idea and make it into a really cool mechanic. Yeah, I, 
Iron Live isn't a perfect game. Um, clearly, there's some technical issues. I think you know I haven't had quite the same level of frustration for the controls that both you, Leon, and a few of our correspondents have had. But you know, I can I can see that they are there, but they they you know didn't ruin the experience for me. Um, but what I take from Iron Live is it's such a refreshing experience to to come to a game. And it feel like a real gamer's game. You know, we've we've been pushing for so long for stuff to be cinematic. Um, and in many respects, what that has led down to is, you know, a lot of watering down of game mechanics. Um, you, you know, we've seen a pushback with something like Dark Souls where game mechanics are in the forefront. It's all about the pressure of the, of the player. Now, you could obviously argue that, you know, the controls are so precise on that that when you mess up, you know it was down to you and that that maybe doesn't apply down to the same degree if I'm alive. But I love the fact that I constantly feel under pressure. Now, Leon brought up the fact that, you know, he he really resented being sent down to a dead end um, with essentially, you know, being panicked and um, having to, to reach higher ground. And if you haven't got the resources, then you die and then that's a retry uh, being used. But I actually really got off on that. I know that sounds strange, but I, I felt like if I had done that, then I, it was almost uh, the fault of me as the player because I didn't study what I should be doing. Now, you know, it's wrong to say you were playing the game wrong. But for me, I just I liked that approach. Um, the map is actually pretty clear. Uh, they mark off on the map, you know, exactly what is a dead end so you don't make the same mis- mistake twice. But I always had one eye on my surroundings around me. There was always something there that you could take to higher ground and just give yourself a breather. So the game is full of mechanics, and I absolutely adored the, the stamina mechanic. I think it's so refreshing to to tackle climbing and actually it be climbing. It be a, a part of a game where I, it's not basically just push the stick and occasionally press A. Um, and I really, really like that aspect. I think the story is is interesting, well done. I, I like the flashback of the camcorder stuff. The characters, you know, although you know the script could be better, I think are believable and the dialogue is interesting. Um... It just, it, it came at a time for me last year where I, I was kind of like, yeah, you know, I've seen so many games, they've been and gone, and they all seem to be aiming for this same cinematic experience now, certainly in a an open or a, a kind of third-person action adventure. And to have this game come out of nowhere and have all the issues that it's had in its development and actually still come out and be entertaining in a different degree... I, I really appreciate that, and um, you know, for me, I actually, I, the more I play it, I've I've been through, like I say, you know, two and almost three times through trying to get the the the, the achievement of uh, not dying through the you know, the play style. I've I've really gelled to it more and more, and it's slowly becoming one of my all time favourites. And I understand why people don't like it, but for me, I applaud everything they actually tries to do, even if it's not a hundred percent on the money all the time. So, Brad. Yeah, I'm I'm right with you. Um, the game definitely has problems. I mean, I think that it's rough. I think it had a really tough time um, getting out of uh, development hell. I mean, I, like I said earlier, I think it's a miracle that it did. Um, but when the final product was out and released, and after I sat through it, I had nothing but respect for it. I mean, can it be improved? Certainly. Are there a few you know errors there and some maybe questionable choices? Yeah, for sure. But so many games play it safe these days, and so many games do the same old, same old. It's totally refreshing to play something that wants to develop a different sort of relationship to the player. It's difficult. It makes you think in different ways. It asks you to interact with the game in a way that most people are not used to. Um, it, it's a challenge on many levels, and it's not always a pleasant one. And that's okay. I think it's fine to, to make a game that does something other than 
pure entertainment. I mean, this game is not fun. It's not really a good time game. Uh, there's lots of stress, lots of problems, lots of worries, and it's, you know, it's 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 not really good times. But at the same time, actually feeling a game that makes you feel that way is is wonderful. I, I'm very thankful that this game got made. I think it's got a lot to teach other developers. I think it's a great example of a different direction that development can go. And I think there's a lot of stuff to mine here. Um, kind of like what Josh said. I mean, I would love to see a lot of these ideas expanded on um, with games that had a bigger budget or, you know, a smoother development or a bigger team or something like that. But just as an experiment and just for what it is, I think it's just amazing. And I think... If you want to look at games in a critical sense, I think I Am Alive has so much to say, and it does so many interesting things, that even though it has the rough edges and unpolished areas and and difficulties and frustrating moments, it's worth it. It's worth it if you want to learn more about games, if you want to see games a different way, and I think that I'm only glad that it came out, and I I have nothing but respect for it. So, the wrap-up. You can play along with Crane Rinse Volume 2. Upcoming games include next week Bioshock 2, Animal Crossing series... Grand Theft Auto 4 and the episodes from Liberty City, Dark Souls, Metro 2033, and XCOM Emily Unknown. The full and upcoming schedule can be found on the blog at caneandrinse.com. Take a look at our quick rinse videos via the blog or on our Kane and Rinse YouTube channel. You can find us on Twitter at Kane and Rinse. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Rinse. We are grateful for your support through iTunes subscriptions and reviews and ratings. Please go there, give us a review, give us a rating, it all helps. And also check out the Kane and Rinse periodical. Jay puts a lot of time and effort into that, so we'd really appreciate it if you give it a look. And we would much appreciate it if you could come along and join the Cane and Rinse community and have your say over at the forum, which can be found at caneandrinse.com forward slash forum. That just leaves me to say thank you to Josh and Brad. Remember, you can find him at gamecritics.com. 